way, I feel like I'm a little bit the, uh, you know, senior administration here. We're the trustee of the value of your degree. You yeah. know, so we constantly have to ensure that uh, that your degree and your future degree, that you're always proud of that degree and right. that it continues to increase in value. This is The Law School Show. Discovering the person behind the resume. Bringing you their stories and their tips on how to succeed in your legal career. Catch it all here, right now, on The Law School Show. It's Friday night of a long weekend. Oh, yeah. Rich, talk to me, bro. How are you doing? Like you said, man, it's a Friday night of a long weekend. I think there's only one right answer to that question. I'm doing excellent, brother. How are you doing? Also very excellent. Uh, must note, three weeks into articles. Yeah. Officially into the deep end, feet no longer touching the bottom of the pool, got to tread water. How are you feeling? Well, learning how to swim for sure, <laughs> but I'm feeling great. And I think it's been a huge learning experience for both of us. And uh, we decided that we're going to talk about the biggest challenge that we face. So what is the biggest challenge that you have faced so far in your articles? Workflow management, understanding how full to keep my plate. Um, There's an onus to do your fair share of work. And, of course, you need to execute that work at your best level. So for me, understanding, you know, how many projects to have on the go at the same time in order to hit that mark. Uh, without having too few, without having too many, and letting my plate overfill. How about you? I think for me, it has been the learning curve and more so recognizing that sometimes it's going to take a lot longer than what I had initially thought it might when I initially got the task. Oh, yeah. So recognizing that and also not being scared to ask a lot of questions. Sometimes I feel I'm asking too many questions, but at the same time recognizing that without asking those questions, it's hard to have a complete understanding of what is expected of me. Yeah, it takes confidence to ask a pointed, intelligent question. But when you do, it is such a time saver. Definitely. So what do we have for our listeners today, Chris? A conversation, a candid conversation, mind you, Rich dear, with the Dean of the University of Ottawa Law School, Natalie DeRosier. This is a conversation that we have recorded back in March 2015, but we held off on launching it till the start of the new academic year. Very timely. Uh, What do we talk about? We got her coming through the ranks up into her position as dean. She went to Harvard, one of the most prestigious schools in all of North America, English-speaking. She went to Harvard as a French-speaking woman, English second language, and at a time when women in law was not so common. Yeah, and I think what really was exciting about me, uh, for me, sorry, uh, during the interview. No problem, Rish. Keep going. Thanks. I appreciate that. Was when she spoke about her failures yeah. and the different challenges that she has faced along the way before she became dean and how many times, in fact, she got rejected before she was able to become dean of University of Ottawa Law School. And finally, she talks about what it means to be a dean. What do you do when you're a dean? The day-to-day of it. Very good stuff. I had no idea what that job actually entailed until oh, she I knew all about it, man. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, the usual administrative affairs. If you got any questions, email us, info at thelawschoolshow.com. You can get all the webisodes at the website, thelawschoolshow.com. You can check us out on iTunes, Stitcher, any podcasting app that you use. 
And if you would like to join the team or have any comments, please do email us. We are always very excited when we hear from you. Definitely. Have an amazing school year. Make the most of your time. It is a privilege to be a law student. Don't forget that. Don't take it for granted. Go out and kill it. But first, enjoy this conversation. Here's our conversation with Natalie DeRosier. Here we go. What does a dean do? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, besides just giving interviews to students <laughs> who are interested in this. Uh, well, the, it's actually quite a, a busy job. Very exciting, very uh, stimulating job. Uh, very var varied. So, uh, you know, the day in the life of a dean is in the morning. This morning I had breakfast with a graduate who's a judge now who had some ideas about what the law school should do. Uh, I'm hoping he'll be a donor, so I went. <laughs> uh, but, you know, so you listen to that. I came back, then I had a meeting about the budget of the school, how we're going to allocate the limited funds, the difficulties in, in meeting our targets. Uh, then I did admissions files. Uh, then I had a, a two profs that had some hurts, you know, that had some complaints. So I did that. And now I'm meeting with you. This is you. all before 10 a.m. This is before 10. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> and uh, yesterday, I, yesterday I was in Mexico uh, doing uh, uh, exchanges. We have an exchange with the uh, school in, in Mexico City. They wanted to improve, improve their graduate program, wanted to do either joint degree or exchanges and so on. So, you know, worked on that. Um, and I'm teaching this afternoon, and tonight we have the Supreme Court of Canada visiting, so I have to yeah. give a little talk. So it's busy, quite diverse, quite varied. The key aspects are certainly um, the representation of the school, both in, mm -hmm. internally at the university. Uh, you sit on different committees, and you need the law school to be heard and well understood by yep. by the administration of the university, so budget are devoted, and so you're right. an advocate within the university. You're also an advocate outside of the university, uh, certainly with alumni, but with the justice sector more generally. I participate in lots of committees outside, so that uh, we are seen as a leader in different uh, in different areas. That we continue to have a voice. Uh, you want, in a way, I feel like I'm a little bit the, uh, you know, senior administration here. We're the trustee of the value of your degree, you yeah. know. So we constantly have to ensure that the, uh, that your degree and your future degree, that you're always proud of that degree and right. that it continues to increase in value. So it's it's reputational, uh, you know, enhancing constantly the reputation of the school. Uh, it, and then, obviously, I do a lot of fundraising for the mm -hmm. school. Uh, that's a big part. Uh, and then you have the internal management of the school. You know, you want to support uh, your professor's career. You want to see a lot of students that have good ideas. I do a little mm -hmm. bit of mentorship uh, and so on. You have a staff that needs to be supported, empowered to do the right thing. Um, so, yes, it's quite fun. Wow. Uh, and then you can also have some kind of key projects. You know, the school is unique position to uh, to respond to some demands from the outside because we are in Ottawa so uh, you know if the Supreme Court has a guest and they want us to look after the, that guest I'm happy to do it mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so yeah so from all of those different facets what would you say is the hardest part about your role well fundraising is is challenging yeah. these days I have to say uh, um, because the the you know, like the, the 
the, the market has changed a little bit. Some people that have lots of wealth have less, uh, and but the demands for philanthropic dollars is very high, and we're all competing uh, with each other to uh, to get these donors to to give. So that it's. I enjoy it because mm-hmm. I, I, it's, uh, it's part, it's part of my role, and I believe in it. You know, like we couldn't offer whatever we're doing to the students uh, without it. So that, you know, uh, so it's necessary. But the second part is also if you believe in the mission of the school, then you want people to give to it as a, even if it's not a lot of money, to give to it as a, mm-hmm. a sign of commitment to that. Yeah. You know, yeah. sharing in the mission, and so. Uh, that's what I want the alumni to feel that they are proud, but they want to give back to the school because they want to give uh, you know the opportunities to future generations. I find it's hard to ask people for things, mm-hmm. especially money. <laughs> yeah. so what are what are the, some of the approaches you take in in asking for money? Asking for money. Uh, well, I have to say, over the years, I you know I've been uh, uh, asking for money for a number of years now. Is the worst that can happen is people say no. And I usually put it in, in a sense as I have needs, uh, our students have needs, uh, um, it would be great if you could help us. And it's a sign also, I try to make it as a, it's a sign of recognition of their success. Mm. You know, we're, we're proud of you, you're a graduate, you have accomplished so much. Uh, uh, and And if they say it's not the right time or, you know, you're asking for too much, uh, or I, you know, uh, then I would ask for time or commitment or, you know, or, well, could you t- think of other people that uh, that could be interested in in uh, supporting the school? Uh, or do you want to, you know, hire a student and become a mentor? So I give them, you know, options, but really the, the first option is really money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, That's a good strategy. <laughs> If people are, yeah, I generally I think people are happy to meet uh, the dean of the school, uh, and now I'm starting to bring students along at oh, times wow. and on second or other calls, so they see who are the recipients and so on. We're all in this together. Right? Yeah. We're, we all uh, uh, want uh, this to succeed. So that's the. It's mostly time management that's the real issue. Is you know, to do good fundraising is, you know, every week or every month, you would think of reaching out to a donor is so you don't want to mm-hmm. lose them, you know, since right. what they call stewardship. Once somebody has shown interest, then you have to get back to them. Yeah. Uh, kind of walk know. them slowly yeah. through the steps. Yeah, the, the, yeah. The steps. And once they've given a little bit, then you hope that eventually they will give more and so on. So it takes a lot of time. Uh, um so yeah, yeah, you just have to try to make time and and be uh, listening to what they uh, what they see yeah. and what they, they want to contribute. You you must find that, or at least I find that when I believe mm-hmm. in what I'm talking about or trying to sell, mm-hmm. and I really understand its value and think that that person could value from being engaged mm-hmm. with it, that it doesn't become so much like a pitch. It becomes more like a conversation and you giving them that opportunity. So the fact that you believe in the University of Ottawa. And the brand must go far in raising those dollars and creating those relationships. Yeah, well, and it's part of my personality that I'm quite passionate about this. I, 
and I, I, I give to the university and the faculty as well, so mm -hmm. I can come to a donor and say, listen, I was an NGO lawyer and I give. <laughs> what about, and I'm not even an alumni, what about you? Yeah. <laughs> so, so there's a way in which you can uh, make it as though we're, we're in this together, it's, yeah. a, it's a team effort, you, you, you want the, mm. the, the school to succeed yeah. and so on. So I agree with you completely that yeah. if you believe in something, then it comes true. Yeah. You know? And you have to be a bit genuine about uh, and the worst that can happen is that they say, no, I never take it personally. <laughs> no. So this is the second time that you were dean. First you were dean for the civil law section, now you're dean for common law section. Yeah. Is there anything different this time around, you would say, compared to last time? Certainly, there's a lot of things uh, uh, that are different. Uh, you know, the, the environment has changed in 10 years. Yeah. Uh, um, uh, 10 years ago, I think that there, it was uh, an expansion time. Uh, now, you know, there's budgetary restrictions, budgetary problems. Uh, so, uh, and, but the school is big here, uh, quite big, uh, lots of opportunities. So, and the legal profession is changing a little bit. So although there's some similarities, you know, the, the broad categories of the job are the same, you know, administration, mentorship, yeah. fundraising, uh, advocacy, both internally and externally, the, the context uh, has changed. So it's, and uh, I really love the, uh, I, I love academia, I believe in it completely. I really think that it's a very important aspect of public service to be uh, in academia. You can do a lot and you should do a lot. So. Um, you know, so to me, I think it's a, it's a, it's the right investment. You, a good law school can help a lot uh, for for society. Oh, for sure. There's mm -hmm. so many students that are graduating on a yearly basis from any given law school that, and they're potentially going to go out and hopefully make some kind of substantial changes. Mm -hmm. And all of that learning comes from the basis of law school. Mm -hmm. So they, the law school definitely holds a lot of power in terms of where they steward these students that are coming out of law school. Well, and it's more, it's, it's there, but it's also, you give uh, not only uh, knowledge and competencies, you also give values, yeah. you give them uh, a sense of themselves, uh, and you may not be able to steer them anyway. I've given up trying to steer <laughs> students in any directions, but you, you give them the capacity to actually uh, create their own career, invent their own career. And, mm. and, and, uh, and because I've been in the private sector, in the nonprofit sector, and in government, I see what good lawyering can do and what bad lawyering can do. Totally. And, uh, and certainly I think you want to create uh, within your student body a, a sense of, uh, of um, responsibility, ethical responsibility toward uh, becoming very good lawyers. Yeah, it's, it's almost as though you're instilling themes in graduates mm -hmm. that they can then make their decisions according to. Yeah, I think so. So let's talk about those graduates. Yeah. We're 45 days away. That's <laughs> three L's. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> the dean just did a fist pump. For all the listeners. So it's not as though you're counting your days. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. And we're excited. Mm -hmm. So what is the advice you would like to give uh, to the graduates so that they can, in their first three years of practice, mm -hmm. uh, apply the advice for the maximize, maximization of their career? Well, I, I, I was going to talk a little bit about uh, both taking opportunities and not being defined by by defeats. It's normal uh, to have uh, defeats, to have stressful days, 
articling is I had to article three times because I moved provinces and and <laughs> oh, wow. and uh, and every articling uh, time was stressful uh, and I remember making uh, mistakes and and so on so um, so I think you ideally is to reflect on your mistakes but not get defined by them you know it just you know t tomorrow is a different day and uh, keep on working and keep on uh, having a sense of yourself mm -hmm. uh, I think uh, it's important to to um, develop a good work ethic but that maintains a, a place where you still have fun you know still have fun at work and outside of work mm -hmm. you know, you're, you're creating a, a life for yourself that that uh, that you're going to enjoy um, and it, I think trying to uh, see the good things in in uh, in the work that you do always helps first of all you're happier and you project a sense of uh, of interest within the workplace and usually that get, that that mm -hmm. gets recognized you know and people tend to prefer to work with people that are happy with what they're doing as opposed to projecting a constant yeah, negativity yeah. about it you know so you can only fake that for so long yeah that's true <laughs> yeah that's true and but i for me what i have found is that in most jobs, uh, there was always a good part of it. You know, I, I've, I was trying to. You know, sometimes there were some bad parts, and you know, and I have to say, every so often in the dean's job, you're kind of like, oh no, not again. You know, yeah, another. Yeah. But if you focus on the good parts and say, well, you know, those are the accomplishments. That's the goal. Uh, these are the steps that we have taken to achieve our goal. So I, I actually think come in with an open attitude toward the promises of uh, law and not uh, see what's what's in it and, and grow with it. Feel a sense of growth and taking the opportunities mm -hmm. head on and not get, certainly not get uh, put down by the defeats. I remember going and scrubbing my bathtub the first, after being appearing in court and, and being just... I felt humiliated by the way in which it hadn't gone very well, and I remember being when you know that night I kind of scrubbed the entire bathtub three times. I was so mad, but uh, you know, obviously, eventually, I, I. This was during articling, or yeah, this was during articling. At least the cleanliness of the bathtub was within your control. It was part of this uh, uh, sense of. Uh, uh, feeling a little bit destroyed by it but uh, then, but then you know you go back and, and just kind of try again and, and and do better yeah for sure mm -hmm. what would you say for students that are graduating now a lot of them are not sure about where they see themselves long term mm -hmm. right what, that's a good thing <laughs> so is there any advice that you have for them that people are still trying to figure their path out what they want to do with their legal degree well I I think I am a good example of some someone who has had who did not really know what she wanted or thought she did and then opportunities came and eventually mm -hmm. you know you look back and you say oh well that's how I got there but it was not obvious at the time yeah uh, I went to law school because I wanted to be a journalist and my dad said why don't you do law school uh, at that time in Quebec the big issues were about the you know, constitutional reform and so on uh, so I did, but I, I uh, got a part-time job at Radio-Canada, so I was working mm -hmm. as a journalist part-time, and then eventually uh, had a choice to make uh, because the, you know, whether to go to stay at Radio-Canada or not, or do my law school full-time, and, and I just chose law because I have worked a little bit at the clinic, and I just enjoyed it. 
um, but just so that you know, I had been turned down for jobs at McDonald's because my English was too bad, was bad, and so on. So Air Canada turned me down too. So I had lots of, you know, initially, I, I, it was hard for me to see exactly what I was going to do. And this um, was before law school. This was during law school. I during applied to it as a part-time job at McDonald's, and they they turned me down because I didn't speak English well enough. I bet they're sorry now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I bet they are actually. Because <laughs> you you did your law school in Montreal. Yes, I University did. I of didn't Montreal. speak English then very well. Wow. And sure. then you made the transition to go to LLM to Harvard. Yeah, before that, well, that's it, it was a little bit of a surprise. So I, uh, I, uh, I, I did not plan to go to to the states. Really, mm-hmm. <laughs> I have to say, I wanted to stay in Quebec, uh, but I I got uh, the opportunity to clerk at the Supreme Court. Yeah, and then and there I met all these. You know, English Canadian people, but uh, uh, and everybody said, well, and the judge said, well, you, you know, you're young, you should do a, you know, a master's degree, and and then I applied and then got in. So, and then I had the really a nightmare. I have to tell this story because it's, so I, you know, my English was really not that great. But so I am there the first week, and I can't understand what's going on in class, and really I'm struggling a lot. Like. I can barely lip read one yeah. prof, and at night I'm reading American constitutional law. It's long, and I'm searching words in the dictionary, and it's, I'm completely discouraged. You know, I'm behind. We're, you know, one week in, and I'm already behind. <laughs> you know, so I call my mother, and I'm crying. And I'm saying oh, I won't be able to make it. I just I can't. I mean, I'm going to fail. I can't really yeah. uh, complete. And she says, "Well." I told all my friends you were accepted. You can't leave. <laughs> Thank you, Mom. <laughs> you have to live up to everyone else's expectations. Yeah, that's oh, my God. So, oh, and so, by the way, you were at Harvard. Yeah. You, right? <laughs> so, anyway, so, but she, in a way, she was right. That within six weeks, I started dreaming in English. And, and my, Good for you. My, my English got better, so I started. But it was very, uh, you know, quite challenging, you know, and certainly I didn't get the, the, the results that I had had at Invest in Montreal, you yeah. know, so, so I had to adjust, but uh, I did, and, uh, and, then, uh, and then you do, and then I met a man uh, who uh, lived in London, Ontario, so I... While you were in Boston? Yes, I had met him in a, in a ski trip. <laughs> so, okay, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, but uh, you could just see it when I called my parents to say, oh, well, by the way, I'm moving to London, Ontario, they say, where? Uh, on the other side of Toronto, <laughs> <laughs> further away. <laughs> so my dad drove from uh, Montreal to Boston to come and talk to me to say, "What are you doing? What are you doing? Uh, you know, you're going to have to speak English for the rest of your life. Speaking English gives a headache." <laughs> <laughs> I think he meant that uh, that your level of productivity and your level of competency yeah. are. Um, would be diminished mm. by 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 uh, having to work in a second language, but at that time, you know, I was badly in love, and I said, uh, you know, just watch me, sort of thing. So and I moved, it. I moved to London. How so? From when you were in Harvard, how did you pick up English so fast while you were there? Uh, no choice. Yeah. Uh, I mean, part of it, you. I had been at the Supreme Court in yeah. the year before, so at the Supreme Court, although I worked in French because I worked for a French judge. The environment was very much uh, yeah. English. All the other clerks were were uh, anglophones, so I had started picking up, and I could read English. You know, I I mm-hmm. could have become a really boring person because <laughs> I could read 
the fact that it's in English all the time, but I couldn't read a, a novel because I didn't have the vocabulary. Like I didn't uh, know the names of trees or, you know, so that my vocabulary was quite limited. Um, but when you're there, like you have no choice, you know. So uh, I got a tutor. Uh, I got uh, I would pay for people to review my assignments to correct the, the right. English mistakes and stuff. So yeah, you just you just do it, you know. And mm -hmm. it takes you a little bit more time than others. And, Find a way. What was the biggest piece of value you got out of the master's experience? Uh, the self, self, self definition. That is, I, I think all these these um, programs, and I'm sure it's the same for students here. Um, you you conquer yourself and conquer the, the the discipline of law, and it becomes part of you. To me, it was a, a little bit of a love affair with law. Uh, and and becoming more confident in in managing uh, legal concepts. Uh, so certainly I had great profs, and I learned I, some of the teaching that I eventually did uh, came a little bit from some of the techniques of the professors that I had at Harvard, for sure. Um, you know, the the environment of all the the students was very stimulating. Um, being in a foreign country was was interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, the political situation that that's a long time ago. You weren't born then, but uh, uh, the United States had invaded Grenada, you know, and uh, so there was big protest and counter protest, and that was kind of interesting. I was volunteering as well for an unemployment health center there in Boston, and seeing the the poverty in Boston at that time, Canada had less. Uh, obvious poverty in the streets. Now we mm -hmm. have people that are homeless, but at that time it was not so so clear. So, is the entire environment in which you see the role of mm -hmm. law, and it, it was quite uh, salient, made salient to me by my experience at Harvard. Do you think a master's is for every student, or it's a certain types of students that master is more suitable for than others? Actually, I I think probably. Um, People know when they need a master's or yeah. what they want to have a master's. Um, there's several reasons why you should, you know, uh, specialization, you know, mm -hmm. going with your love of one subject and wanting, you know, to really kind of go deeper in it. Uh, uh, recognition, you know, the, the accreditation that comes yeah. from a master's that can be quite, uh, quite valuable. Uh, the opportunity to write more. Uh, some students like that a lot. Uh, and not everybody wants to do it initially, but uh, I've had lots of students over the years that eventually wanted to have this a year of uh, taking it uh, a step uh, deeper and more understanding of subject. So um, certainly I think the law school will be there for you if you want that <laughs> to happen. It's a, a, for me it was uh, fascinating. I, I truly enjoyed this and uh, there's many subjects or areas of law that I thought about many ideas about law that that came back to my career at different stages. You know, yeah. the courses I had to do there that I had to that kind of uh, inspired me for a long time. Ooh, that's fascinating. All right, let's dig into your failures. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, talk to us about maybe describe a couple of specific instances where you failed, how you felt. And how long it took, or what you did to realize that that experience actually was maybe a benefit and helped you get to where you are. Yes. So um, first, so I, as I said, so from you know Harvard, I you know I thought well it's not too bad. So I applied to become a 
to to uh, enter the Law Society of Upper Canada uh, because I had met this man in London, Ontario. I was moving there, and uh, you know read the regulation and you know did did my homework and applied. And uh, in the, at that time, the regulation said that if you were a member of Quebec Bar, you needed a one-year conversion course in common law, and then you can apply to be admitted to the bar in Ontario. Well, when I wrote to the Law Society, they said, oh, yeah, that's we say that, but indeed, uh, there is no such thing as a one-year conversion course in common law. Uh, therefore, you have to apply to get a proper common law degree in a Canadian law school. So then I applied throughout, and, and uh, you know, I, I was admitted. But I was pretty unhappy with the, uh, with that, so I appealed. <laughs> and, uh, 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 so that was quite distressing because when I went to present orally, yeah, I went to meet with the, the treasurer of the law society to explain to, to him uh, that I thought this was unfair. If it's in a regulation, it should be applied. Then you know, For sure. uh, uh, it was actually it was a long time ago, so he was quite. Uh, sexist in his, his approach to me, a very dismissive. And uh, at some point, he told me, "Well, you're marrying a doctor. You're not going to, you know, you're not going to need to work anyway." And I was being really strong, and I said, "Sir, it would be a loss to Canada if I didn't work." But then I started crying. <laughs> so I was, so it was both very assertive and completely destroyed. So I was not very proud of myself when I came out of that interview. Uh, uh, so, so instead of taking me one year, it took me uh, two and a half years because. Uh, so, needless to say, the appeal you you lost. I <laughs> no, eventually I won, but it oh. took it took that long uh, that by that time I had already, you know, I had already been uh, in law school and I, I did the full articling year, even though I had articled the Supreme Court and I had started to article at the, in a firm in Montreal. So, as I say, I had three articles altogether. Um, so that was it. I, I applied to be a law professor at Western, and the first time around, I was rejected. Uh, and eventually, they came and sought me out when I was in practice in London. But uh, yeah. so that was the beginning. I was uh, on many short lists to being uh, deans across Canada. Did not always get it the first time. Uh, I was on a short list for other jobs, and you know, didn't did not. So it happens often, you know. I think that in a way, uh, and then I had the, the, you know, one guy once told me that every week you make at least ten mistakes. I I make twenty, uh, but and you know, seventeen of them, seventeen out of twenty, you know that there are mistakes. But if you're lucky, nobody else knows. There's three of them that you know, and other That's people know. That. <laughs> uh, you know. Two of them uh, are probably you can fix them, you yeah. know, and one you cannot fix it. Uh, so if you're lucky, it's not that big a deal. If you're bad lucky, it's a big deal. So, <laughs> so once you start thinking that you will make mistakes, uh, but it's just a question of managing the risk, you know, being mm -hmm. trying to uh, keep your head straight, uh, not get defined by it, you know, just kind of. And, and apologize if, if you've made a mistake you've made a mistake and then you apologize and try to minimize the damages that you know mm -hmm. minimize the consequences so, so how do you persevere when you have that feeling like when you've been rejected well uh, certainly I think uh, you can scrub your bathtub if you <laughs> <laughs> three times three times, <laughs> three times. Uh, uh, 
Uh, well, I think you have to find yourself what's an outlet for your disappointment and your and your anger sometimes. You know, like I didn't mention all the cases I've lost in court, which, you know, if you're at the civil liberties, you lose often. Uh, um, and sometimes you feel it was unfair. And, you know, so, uh, uh, so yeah, I'm, I... Uh, I like to go outdoors, you know, so I, I, do, I do skating, running, uh, you know, so I, ha I need to create a, an outlet for physical outlet to, yeah. for myself. So you literally exercise the emotion oh, out I of need your to body. Do, yes, yeah. that's true. And every so often I have to say, I, I come home and I uh, say to my uh, children, uh, okay, I have been polite all day today. So... <laughs> If I were you, <laughs> I would want to talk to me right now. <laughs> Keep the distance. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, you put up the yellow tape. <laughs> the at home. Like, Look at. I'm just saying. Caution. <laughs> yes. But uh, um, I humor. Humor yeah. has been the, and, 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 you know laughing about yourself a little bit um, about the fact that eventually it will be a good story to tell yeah. at, on a radio show. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I think um, not dwell on it. Apply again, you know, or apply somewhere else, or you know, uh, just uh, keep at it. Uh, I think persistence is is very important. Um, and if if eventually you get to a, you feel it's a it's a wall, you're not going to be able to succeed in that venue. Mm -hmm. Then have a plan B. Uh, like uh, there's a friend of mine who says we have a plan A, a plan B, a plan crazy, you know, like uh, which is you have a plan B, but even that may be too narrow. Yeah. Sometimes you have to take a, a you know, imagine something completely different, and that's actually quite rewarding to uh, imagine yourself in a different context, and it may open up possibilities that you never thought of. Uh, my 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 story, you know, was that I I tended to say yes to opportunities. You know, part of it I was in London, Ontario, and for a francophone from Montreal, uh, I really liked if I was invited to go attend anything uh, elsewhere. So, you know, people would uh, call me and say, "Would you attend that uh, conference? Uh, they need a francophone woman there because they have none." I didn't mind being a token. I said, yeah, sure, yeah. And often I would go and I would realize, yes, I am the token person here. But out of that, you know, then, you know, you you understand, you know, you go in different environment and mm -hmm. then you understand that you get networked and then suddenly you say something mildly mm -hmm. sensible and somebody says, oh, well, she has something to say. And then you get to be put on another committee and eventually you can trace back you can pretty much create uh, your own opportunities from all of these different different opportunities different that come opportun your way. Yeah. yeah, so I, I tended to be a, a yes person. You know, yeah. I tended to to be there and try to you know try to uh, to once you said yes to commit to go to be as as uh, I think as helpful to the group. Um, I think you have to become an institutional player. You know, it should not be about yourself. If you're mm -hmm. there, if you go to a committee, it's about the committee working well, and it, that may mean that you have to take a, a back step. But you should always, and I think that's the reason why you get, uh, you're successful, is because every place you go, you want that place to be better, not yeah. just, uh, not about you. And I think that's... Um, uh, I think that's, that, that's a beautiful and crucial theme when we're mm -hmm. talking about 
sort of instilling graduates with, with something they can take going forward in all situations is that when you make the people around you better and mm -hmm. add value to everyone else's life, inevitably mm -hmm. your own life is enriched yes. and your opportunities become greater. So, certainly, and and also you learn a lot mm -hmm. and and you get uh, and it's nice to see other people succeed you know like yeah. you're you're part of that yeah. that team that part of that success part of their success and uh, and it's uplifting so um so i i i think that's an important uh, aspect uh, of it uh, and try to be self reflective you know I, I you know sometimes i would come out of meetings and say well that didn't go as well as i thought what what happened and what could i have mm -hmm. done differently and um, many times I I would drive back and talk to myself the whole way about reimagining how this yeah, how this court of yours could have been different. Well, that's what I wanted to ask because so, I mean, are you consciously writing things down? You're thinking about well, he said this and I said that and she said that and that's what happened. Are you are you being that analytic about it or is it more so a an instinctual reflection that allows you a couple takeaways, a couple learnings from the experience? I, I would say I have both. Right. Uh, Certainly, I have uh, re-argued a case many times in my car. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, much better in the car, in a way. So, uh, uh, for sure. And eventually, you say, okay, well, time to move on. You know, like, uh, uh, yeah. it's, it's uh, what's the next step? And, and, you know, put it in a little file in your, in your mm -hmm. cabinet, in your brain here, and you will reopen it later on. And, and see. So, I think... You, and then it becomes a little bit more, you know, intuitive to say, yes, uh, I didn't sense the room very well, um, or I was not prepared enough on that that aspect. I should have thought about it. Uh, but then, you know, move yeah. on. And, and really, move on is a, is a good advice. I had, great, yeah. I had a, a great uh, mentor who would always say, um, you know, you, you know, uh, at that time, we had lots of billable hours to do, and he would say, "Well, can, you know, if you dream about it one night, that's enough. <laughs> you know, just move on." Mm -hmm. What would you? I just want to go back and touch on something that you said about mm -hmm. being a yes person, where you yeah. were saying yes to many different opportunities, and maybe change your paths a path a few mm -hmm. times as well. Is that when you look back in hindsight, would you say you would do that all over again? Yeah, some people would say you're you become. Um, uh, too dis uh, you know, disparate or yeah. just not focused enough. Um, once I had said yes on something, then I would focus on it, you know, mm -hmm. and, and then you're, you just don't have the time to say yes to the other thing. Okay. So I actually, the, the time management becomes the, the, the ruler. I'm not, I'm a person that enjoys reinventing yourself. I enjoy new challenges. Not everybody's like this. You know? mm -hmm. um, but, but uh, and you tend to actually make time for things you like. <laughs> uh, so eventually, as you get older, you know, opportunities come, and then you can say no to some things because, A, you don't have the time, and B, finally, you know that this, you've done it before. It's it's not something you, you thoroughly enjoy. So uh, it becomes clearer what, what you should do. But I think initially I was, part of the, the idea was that because I had moved from uh, Montreal and Quebec, who that I knew quite well where I had some network and arrived in a place where I knew nobody except, yeah. uh, except, uh, so you pretty much had to start at ground zero. I had, I had to just, 
make my own networks, you know, and and uh, I knew nobody. I didn't speak English very well, so I just had to just go, you know. I, the first week uh, in that firm was pretty harsh because <laughs> that's a, a fun story as well, just to tell you how I the the senior partner kind of I had just arrived and I I was like this the French Canadian woman you know so he says come and sit in my office and we'll interview this client together and I'd like you to write me a memo as to whether she has a claim under Section Eight of the FLRA. Whoops! So I'm writing down FLRA, and uh, I I was too shy to ask him what does that mean you know so I'm just sitting there. And I'm, you know, the woman is speaking, and it's obviously a family law dispute, so I'm taking notes and da 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 da. And then um, the interview finishes, and then I go in the library and open the Ontario statutes under the letter F, <laughs> and it's checking for the, you know, the famous statutes where there's Section Eight. Uh, and you know, it took me a while because actually that was the Family Law Reform, Reform Act, Act yeah. that was not in the revised statute of Ontario that had been adopted later on, so I had to go through several years. Eventually, I found the Family Law Reform Act, I found Section 8, I found the case law under Section 8, and I did my memo. Nice. That was the days before internet. Yeah, That's true. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know. um, no, it, it's amazing how small things like that. Well, I mean, I experienced them last summer, uh-huh. working for sure, and you're just like, oh my god, this is, like, I, I'm so embarrassed to have to ask someone this, uh-huh. but if I don't, I'm probably going to spend 45 minutes trying to yeah. figure it out on my own, yeah, yeah. when it could be a 30-second exchange. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. Um, what, another issue that students also face, and young professionals I've found, especially the ones that I've spoken with, the, uh, the profession that we're going into, there's a lot of capable and talented individuals mm-hmm. in this profession. One thing that we all face at certain points of our careers is self-doubt, and we start questioning ourselves, whether it's you want to go ask somebody about questions or just thinking that maybe I'm not good enough, right? So how do you overcome something like that, especially in your case when you moved to a different city altogether and you did not have any kind of uh, uh, like connections there? Uh, how did you overcome that? Someone told me once you, you should create a yellow file, which is where you put in it um, the compliments you got or, you know, the good memos and it, and every so often you open it and say, I am not worthless. <laughs> and then we read some of the good things is that people have said about you. We all experience self-doubt, you know, even when you're old and have done different things, you know, every day is a new day where you feel they have to prove something. Yeah. Uh, uh, so I think you should just... Uh, you have a job to do, and it's not only about you, it's about the job, uh, and um, uh, so, you know, try to say, well, obviously I, um, maybe somebody else would be better at it than I, but it's me that has to do it, so yeah. just, uh, uh, to me, I think uh, it's normal to have self-doubt, uh, but it's, at some point, you have to remind yourself that, well, you know, the government of Canada has invested a lot of money in you since, you know, you have a graduate, you know, a, a, a university education. Uh, that means that uh, you should contribute to the best of your ability. So uh, so I tend to view this more as a duty as opposed to 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 being uh, self-defining. I, um, and also, I think... Uh, Every so often, I do open my yellow file, 
yeah. uh, to to get reminded of things I did well and try to what mm. made my you know some of the place where I was successful why was I successful when I reflect on it oh it's because I listened to others or I you know I tried to be responsive to their demands um, and 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 so on so I think that that helps you know kind of refocus yourself on saying well. Uh, and you know, at times you you think, well, that's a little bit beyond my capacity. I'll do the best I can, but you know, again, if I don't succeed fully, I'll, mm -hmm. it's because maybe the, it was a bit beyond what I could do. So, based on all those reflections, what would you say are certain skill sets that led to your success so far? Uh, well, I think s s uh, persistence, persistence. Uh, and and self reflection a little bit, um, capacity to ask others for help. Um, and and trying to be uh, uh, I actually I think uh, being committed to the the moment and the institutions that you're at you know mm -hmm. like when I was at the Canadian Civil Liberties Association I believed fully in it and gave myself all to it now that I'm here uh, that's my passion this is, your and, focus. Uh, and this is my uh, focus and and I, it's not it's not about it's about when I leave it when you know eventually when my mandate is over um, it has to be better, you know. Th there are things that I'd like uh, to make sure that it's better, or at least uh, not. <laughs> and not, uh, you know, I, I've accomplished a, a couple of things that I think would make it better. So I think it's about strengthening the institution that you are, you know, making sure that the people around you are, are working well, and so I think that's that's where the the key success. So before we wrap it up, mm -hmm. what's next for you? Uh, well, I, I have three more years of deanship here, so uh, so I there's a lot of things to do here. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm quite committed to, uh, um, you know, s keeping the the focus on the the way the school has been going. You know, its its reputation is is going up. Uh, I want to make sure that this the students have opportunities throughout Canada and internationally. I'd like the graduate program to continue to uh, excel. Our scholars that have stellar mm -hmm. reputation should be supported. Uh, I'd really like to get uh, financial aid for, for students in a way that is really comfortable. Uh, we're not there yet. Um, yeah, uh, and I'm quite committed to Aboriginal uh, mm -hmm. issues being more central in the, in mm -hmm. the cur curriculum. I think uh, it's time law schools get on uh, and do it right. So. We have one last question for you. Wait, wait. Which is, what do you do in the morning when you wake up? The first thing, or do you have a routine every morning and before you go to bed in the nighttime? Yes. To well, make sure you're productive. Uh, well, I, I wake up early, actually, and yeah. I did not always wake up early. When I was a, a, a student or when mm -hmm. I was a, it was a real struggle for me to get up in the morning. What time is early? Uh, 5.30. That's early. Uh, but, you know, it used to be earlier than that, but now it's 5.30. So, uh, and then <laughs> wow. I, uh, I, uh, I just, I stretch, you know, I do a little bit of uh, stretching and then, uh, you know, I shower and, and, and coffee. I usually uh, uh, look at my emails or try to write something, try to do something that I really have been postponing, you know, that is not First my program, you know, yeah. <laughs> and then I have another coffee. <laughs> <laughs> Or, uh, or get a latte or something if I really have accomplished. I reward myself. Uh, I like that, rewarding yourself. <laughs> rewarding yourself after yeah. doing something that really on your to-do list that you've been dreading, you know, that yeah. keeps, uh, that's always there, that's been there for too long. And uh, and then then it depends, you know, the, yeah. my days are, are quite... Uh, 
uh, quite busy and I don't fully yeah. uh, control the, the full the full scale of it. Um, and then what about the night time? I actually collapsed today. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> There's no routine there. What's yeah. You see the bat and you go right on. It's good if I broke my teeth. <laughs> and what time usually is that that you're uh, collapsing? Well, it's, it, it, it depends. It's, uh, you know... Uh, it depends, but uh, you know, there's events, there's uh, yeah. there's um, things to do that you need to finish, or uh, uh, so it's it's mostly that, you know. But yeah, uh, yeah I, I you know, I like everyone. I watch TV as well, like so often. But um, uh, yeah, it, it depends what's what's up. So, but awesome. I tend to collapse. <laughs> Excellent. Thank, Thank you, you so Thank much. You. Thank, Thank you. you. That was great. Okay. You've just been listening to The Law School Show. You can find all our episodes on iTunes, Stitcher, or at our website at thelawschoolshow.com. If you liked what you heard, like us again on Facebook and get the latest updates from The Law School Show. Career advancing advice right to your earbuds.